Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where you're smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. And we are live on Oz Property Investors. We bring the big names and we have the big fun. And tonight we have one of the biggest names in, in Australian share education, Louise Bedford. I'm excited. How are, you, how are you going, Louise? I'm so excited too, Jeff. It's been a long time since we've had a chat like this. It, it has. <laughs> it, it definitely has. Yeah, it's, um, we were talking before the show. We we're just trying to figure out exactly when it was. And you, you were saying in Toronto in around 2017, that, that is an impressive memory. I know it was a while ago, but I would not have remembered the exact, I could probably pinpoint it. But um, yeah, good on you for having that memory. And Joe, how are you going, man? How's your, um, how's your buying going? You buying plenty? Or? I'm buying plenty. I'm buying much and much and much. But I got, uh, I got new shoes. And uh, every time you buy new shoes, you feel like a kid and that you can run faster. That's, that's one thing I think is always going to stick with you. You put your, shoe, you put your new shoes on, you can run very fast. <laughs> Nothing like to do it. with wealth. Nothing to do with shares, nothing to do with property, but I've got new shoes. That's that's me. What about you, Jeff? <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 really today felt pretty quiet and it's it's interesting because I I um with the two shorter weeks and I, I have a three day week last week, it, it actually feels like I'm starting to get back to some sort of routine. So um but yeah, great day, fantastic, super excited for this, and I'd love to see people like hit the like button, hit the throw us some comments and questions because mm. the more you, the more you show like, the more people get to see this because I'm excited to share the content that, we've, that Louise is, is bringing tonight. So let's let's jump into the quotes of the week and our guests should, should go first. So Louise, what is your yeah. quotes that you have prepared for us? One of my favourite quotes is, I don't know where it came from though, that to know and not to do is not to know. Oh, yes. yes. I love that one. That's... um. It's kind of, it's, I think it's, I feel like it's an, it's an ancient Chinese proverb. Perhaps. It feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's comes... got the Kung Fu Panda type of view to it, hasn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. I love, yeah, good. But I know that, that's, that's a great quote because I think it's it's important because we, we often sort of focus on the, the knowledge and or, or sort of books, reading books and listening to podcasts and doing those things. But we don't, and, until you actually either sort of necessarily fight the bull or do all those sort of things. How do you actually, how do you um, solidify the knowledge if, if you hadn't had the experience? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's like uh, it's like business and anything. If you just keep educating, 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 it just doesn't get you really anywhere until you've actually jumped in and implemented something. And then all of a sudden it all kind of comes swimming back and you're like, oh, that's what I, that's where this comes in handy. And uh, that's where I can use this trick and hack. What about you, Jeff? What's your quote of the week? So, my, so my quote is: if you if you're if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Um, so I don't actually know who, who that quote was from, but uh, mm. I, I think for me that's um, a part of the reason we, we created this group, Joe, because we were sort of I'm not saying I'm not the smartest people, no, but uh, the room <laughs> that was that our I was goal, in. Louise. Every guest to be smarter than us, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't really take too much. So I don't know if that's a compliment to you, but you're definitely the smartest person in this group at the moment. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. No, it, it was sort of. Um, I think that's it's it's very important because you want to make sure that you're um, you're hanging around people that have 
I suppose, achieved or, or have some sort of knowledge in what you're looking to do. And I didn't necessarily have a whole lot of those people in, in the rooms when I was growing up. So, um, yeah, that's mm. kind of really um, hits home for me, that quote. Yeah, it's a good one. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps, um, you know, the, the five people that you hang around the most. And um, if you can hang around with five intelligent people, you're going to be the fifth, the sixth intelligent person. You keep doing the right things. Um, my quote is more of a mindset quote because this is what this session's about because, you know, wealth is wealth is an interesting one. It's There's a lot of things that people get tied into with wealth and happiness. And my quote here is, um, the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Um, that's my little quote of the week. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily, it's just saying that, you know, think, not thinking you'll be happy, but kind of use, uh, yeah, use your thoughts. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> I don't know how the best way to explain it. I think it's saying that we're in control of our thoughts so that we can actually guide our own levels of happiness. Yeah, mm. definitely. I, I think, yeah, you, you sort of, you, you if you attach yourself too much to the, um, yeah, if, you, if you sort of focus too much on whatever you focus on expands is another one that I think is, is, mm. is a really great quote. So I'm speaking of expanding, I, I love expanding in the knowledge and just expanding people's kind of mindsets. We were talking before the show, and I, I'm excited for you, for you to talk about some of the, the challenges that you've had, but just also share the, uh, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're open to it, okay. yeah, but share. also just the, the wisdom and how you overcome, overcome because you've, you've got a fantastic story, and I, I won't do it justice, but we'll get into that. But um. Perfect. Well, what we'll do is we'll jump into our um, first sponsored ad and then we'll dive straight into introducing this wonderful lady. Let's do it. Let's do it. This live session is sponsored by Scott Agate from Hello House. Scott has created the world's first property negotiation as a service business. So what does that mean? Well, let's think about it. When was the last time you negotiated on anything over $100, let alone a property that is going to be one of the biggest investments of your life? The vendor, they have a trained negotiator on their side in the form of a real estate agent. That's kind of like you stepping into the ring with Mike Tyson after never training a day of boxing in your life. These guys are trained professionals and that's what they do day in and day out. And this is what Hella House does every single day as well. They negotiate on property to get the best buy price from the real estate agents. Scott Agate, he's the expert negotiator. He has been in this industry since 1995. He owned and operated three Bell franchises. Scott was the guy that was teaching these real estate agents all these agent games. He knows all of their tricks. Having him on your side is going to give you a massive unfair advantage and literally save you tens of thousands of dollars. Unlike other ways of purchasing property, Scott's incentives are aligned with you, the buyer, meaning the more money he saves you, the more money he makes, which is what you want. You need to have those incentives aligned. Scott has kindly offered our group a massive discount on the retainer fee for his service. So if you're looking to buy your next home or investment property, click the link below to get in touch. There you go, Joe. Very, very seamless with that now. I, lo I love your mindset with that. It's fantastic. So, um, but the, the the person of the hour, Louise, is, in, is, is who's in front of us, and I'm going to sort of steal Joe's um, thing. There's much more to... to and I'd love to hear more about your story than just this. And I've heard your story a couple of times, but you are one of Australia's most compelling speakers on the share market. As I said, I'd say you're probably one of Australia's leading sort of um, share share market educators, as well as being 
I almost find it funny saying this, but over for over twenty years, you, you don't, you certainly don't seem like you've, uh, yeah, been in the, been um, in in the sort of public sphere that long. Uh, you've also trained thousands of people to to maximize their potential, which I think is 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 almost Tony Robbins esque. I know I'm throwing out some big accolades here, but um, but I think the the other thing that I find is very interesting. You you you've got a you've got degrees in or you, you've got behavioral finance and degrees in psychology and business. So. I think that that to me sort of you 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 really sort of epitomize that it really is about mastering your mindset to be able to overcome any obstacles that come your way to to kick your kick your goals and you've tell us more about I don't think Phil I did it as much just as I could have but tell us more about you. Sure. Look, I've been trading for it's 32 years now. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. And boy am I tired. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I think showed a lot of foresight for me as a 20-year-old when I first got involved in the markets was that I had no idea the twists and turns that my life would take when I first started being interested in making money out of thin air. So during the time that I've been trading, I lost a lot of money for the first three years, year three I broke even finally. Mm. I left my job year five and it was because of a health issue. I had trouble with my hands and with my arms. I stopped moving for about three years and wow. it was lousy. I was very black to say the least. I knew how to make money out of the share market but without being able to type it was really hard. So I traded with a pen in my mouth to hit the keyboard figures, to hit the calculator, to hit speed dial on my phone, to talk to my broker. He was a very kind person at that stage and did a lot of the maths for me while I was freaking out of the corner of my mouth with a pen in the other side so that I could actually buy and sell shares. So Luckily, I'd already worked out how to make money before that disaster struck. I think mm. that whole idea about where you've got to dig the well because you don't know when you're going to be thirsty really springs to mind. And, I mean, really, who does know what's going to happen? We don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea. Right. So to gather those skills, to gather those building blocks of success, whatever vehicle you're investing in, I think is so important. If you can do that before your back's to the wall, it's ideal. Yeah, creating a solid foundation of knowledge, but also a solid foundation of, of wealth and a portfolio to be able to actually do that. What was some, because you've lived a very unique experience, right? Not many people are going to not be able to have the access to their, their hands. Like what were some of the big mindset takeaways that you took from that experience? Yeah. Oh, look, there were so many. And, you know, I've had to replay them a few times in my life. Often when tragedy strikes, it, it is interesting how we react, isn't it? Recently, mm -hmm. I lost my voice. I was just mentioning to you guys before the show yeah. that it's taken me two and a half years to be able to speak again. And this is the first at night function that I've run yeah. um, because I was I could not speak at the end of the day. There was just no sound at all. I had zero sound for nine months. And it's all related to the same concept with my hands and with my arms it affected my voice as well. So yeah. I think the things that I really learned is that we don't know who we are until we're in a very black place. There is 
something within me that hangs on to an invincible summer. There is some aspect that says I'm going to make it through. And even if it doesn't seem like that on that particular day, I always think if there's going to be another day at some stage that's going to have some joy, some light to it, then I just can't give up. And I have been so blessed and so honoured to meet people in such dire situations because I have spoken out about my health issues. When my arms were at their absolute worst, I had the honour of meeting Jim Edwards, who had 2% vision, and he wow. inspired me to realise that, hey, if he can trade, then I can continue trading. You know, I can actually see the screen. Um, when I lost my voice recently, as in, you know, we're talking December 14th, 2019, just to put the date on it, wow. I straight after that met somebody who had his tongue cut out because of cancer who will never speak. I at least had the hope that I would speak again. So I find that sometimes these things, you don't know who you'll inspire down the track and you don't know who will be in your corner either. So to be able to have an income on the side where I didn't have to go to a job, I didn't feel forced by an employer to continue working. I didn't feel like I had to get better. I could take my time and do physio and do all the voice therapy. All of that just made it for a much easier life. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I feel like you could write a book simply about um, your, your your personal journey rather than. I mean, you've written many books about sort of share trading. Maybe, maybe you have, um, but uh, but yeah, that's that, that's a, a, a you, you would have met some, met some fantastic people. And um, before we get into the crux of of where, do you want to throw up our disclaimer, Joe, to make sure we're covering that off? Otherwise, we'll, we may oh, you should make him big. Okay, this is our disclaimer, general advice only. Um, we are not giving you any financial advice and uh, um, please seek out your own. It's generally nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs before acting on any of the information you consider it appropriate have regards to your own objective financial situations and needs. This is just a conversation between friends and uh, nothing to do with your personal situation. So please, um, let's continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm no. interested. Oh. You go. Yeah, I'm interested, Louise, because um, what what makes it? What, I guess the free is is it the freedom that that you really like around the whole wealth side of things um that got you into shares? Like, what actually got you excited and jazzed up about the share market and and yeah. finances? Oh, it's a good question, actually. It goes back to when I was a teenager. Um, my dad had his own business before the days of office works in stationery, and we always had the best pens, the best pencils as kids at school. It was yeah. wonderful. But he was always struggling. It was always hard. There was never enough money to go around. We grew up quite poor. Actually, I can see that one of my primary school and secondary school friends is in this Facebook Live. So hi, Joanne. No way. Uh, so, yeah, wow. so, that's so cool. Well, <laughs> I know, I know. So that was really interesting how it focused my mind. I wanted to make money. I wanted to make it big. I never wanted to be in the situation where I had to scramble for money. And in 1985, Dad invested in gold in the share market and gold went ballistic and we changed 
where we lived. We bought a boat. We had two cars. <laughs> we had winter coats for the first time. Mum didn't have to sew us our clothes. I got my first bra because mum handmade my previous bras because <laughs> we couldn't afford them because four little <laughs> girls, you know, and, yeah, we all had <laughs> things we needed. So yeah. that to me, that 1985 year, it spun me around. I could not believe wow. how much money came into the household in a big fat rush and what that could do. And it just really made me think there's something in here for me down the track. I want to be involved in shares. I never want to have to have that level of poverty that I experienced when I was a kid. And certainly for my own children, I didn't want them to have to experience that either. I mm. didn't want to have to big, dig up potatoes in the backyard when I was hungry. I <laughs> didn't want to have to work out how I was going to get a job early. I lied about my age when I was 13. I got my first job in retail because I needed money. I wanted to have money so I could have some of the things that the other kids had but that my parents couldn't afford. So in retrospect, I mean, what a wonderful way to go to have the example of what I didn't want and then, bang, have the example of where, where I wanted to move towards. So very, yeah. very lucky it all happened in that way. Very polarising. I've got a question around, do you think it's possible to teach that sort of mindset that you had or is it simply, is it hard to, I, I don't know if you can actually get to that situation unless you've gone through it or is it possible? Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Because some of the people who have done very, very well that I've trained over the last 30 years or so, they have ended up shifting their mindset because they've hung out with people who had more than them. They decided that they had a bigger dream or a bigger goal. They wanted a bigger ocean to swim in instead of the little pond that they happened to be placed in. So I don't necessarily think it's that you have to be brought up in a poor situation. I don't necessarily think that you have to have a lot of wealth and have that as an example, but I do mm. think it's up to us to work out what we want. And if you do want somewhere bigger to play, then heck, why not get it? We're in the best time in the entire world to be able to seek out riches and to gather it and bring a lot of people with us. Yeah, abundance yeah, mindset. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, this is why Jeff and I created this little this little group, right? The whole point of it was two friends love talking about property and investing and shares and wealth and how can we get better, you know, how can we get amazing people like yourself to have a conversation with us because we've got a group of other people that are interested to hear about the same thing. And now all we do is like that helps level up our own thinking and you talk with someone who has a $20 million portfolio and you can start to think, wait, you're just exactly like me, except you've done a few smarter things and I can actually, if I just do what you did, I can get what you've got. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, so you, I try and try and think about it like trying to acclimatize yourself with people that have these great things and um, you realizing that you're fully capable of doing that if you want to put, if you're able to put the, you know, the work in, but also having the right strategies around it as well to be able to go ahead and do it, which I guess is where that education piece comes in as well. 
Yeah, yeah. and having those strategies is so important. <clears throat> and I don't know if you know Scott Adams or know of Scott Adams. He wrote oh, yeah. um, Dilbert. lots Dilbert. of different Dilbert. Yeah, Dilbert is the yes. one that he's most famous for. Apparently, he's asked all the time, you know, Scott, tell me, how did you do it? Please, please. And he used to give away all of this information and watch as nobody implemented what he suggested. But mm. then one person actually did exactly what he said and he became a fantastic cartoonist himself just by following what Scott Adams said. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, we can mm. follow in the footsteps of people who've gone before us and we can do it where we're not stepping on the mines that they had to step on to get where they've got in life. Yeah, I love Scott Adams. He, he talks a lot about not having goals. He talks about having systems in systems. place. Mm, You're talking my language. Systems. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> systems kind of, are the key. Yes. The problem is, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a goals person, but I appreciate, I don't know, I, I love systems as well. So I, I'm a, I, I like to sort of incorporate all sorts of things. Um, let, let's get onto a little bit of prop. We'll get a little bit of property. We'll sort of mix and match sort of things from motivation and mindset and all that. Um, I, I want to know because you, you I, I really want to know a story about. Tell us about your um, your journey with your first kind of property. Like you said, you were sort of intimidated, and yeah, like I want to uh, tell us more about that. How did it all start? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh gosh, this probably won't be all that motivational for the people listening, though, because I know you're all wonderful property gurus, and I'm just not. So, <laughs> so since. I've given you up to date, okay, so we've, we've pretty much got to the point where I was inspired by dad, I'd started trading, I'd gone three years without making money and I'd just broken even, year five, I quit my job and I had the health problem, I was renting <laughs> all the way through, renting, 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 every spare cent that I had went into my share market portfolio. I invested in my own education. I ordered books from overseas because there weren't any Australian books at that stage on the share market. I was so focused on getting money out of the share market that when we kept getting evicted from our places because people wanted to move into where we were living, it was driving me crazy. And yeah. by that time, okay, time, time ticks on, okay, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, heck, I think I need to lay down some roots here because mm. if while I'm pregnant or while I'm having having my children, we get kicked out of a place again because some relative wants to go and live in it or they want to knock it down and develop, it's actually going to not go well, <laughs> not go well for mm. me at all. So I had to become very adult and it was terrifying. That, that first time that I took money out of the share market and put it into the property market, I vomited. I hugged <laughs> that morning, the toilet. Was it morning sickness or was it <laughs> share sickness? Which yeah. one was it? <laughs> it was abject terror because I was having to wow. take money out of my fastball, out of the thing I knew made money, depleting my asset base mm. in the way that had earned me freedom. Mm. and putting it into a vehicle that I didn't understand and I didn't like and I didn't know. So yeah. <laughs> hardly inspiring, yeah. is it? I mean, since then, 
I mean, time time has gone on, okay, and I've got multiple properties. My husband does property development. We're very focused on the time horizon of our investments and property is a longer-term investment for us and we've got some medium-term things too, which I can go into if you like. But mm. I just want you to to realise that if you're listening to this and you're scared and you're vomiting because you're so scared, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's really um that's really it's really advice. interesting I'll, I'll get into i'd love to hear joe's kind of first story because I, I don't think i've ever kind of understood what what joe was feeling but it's i i was probably i was definitely not vomiting when i was buying property but it took me probably two to three years to buy the first property and 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 when it, and i sort of thought what was holding me back and i think it was a similar kind of fear it was a, the apprehension of of, of sort of saying, well, am I going to, am I making a mistake? How do I know I'm doing the right thing? And, and I think that's similar to a lot of people that buy a property for the first time. And now when I, when now when I do it, I just say, it's like, well, how many, how many zeros are going to be on that, on that loan or whatever it is? I mean, that's, it sounds a bit cocky. I hope it doesn't, I don't mean to sound cocky, but it, it's after you do it a couple of times, it's, it's simply uh, uh, does, does the deal make sense? And if it doesn't, then yeah. What about you, Joe? Did you sort of feel nervous or anxious? What have, do you remember back that long ago? No, well, it's kind of like that. Um, it's kind of like that. That what we're talking about, right? Getting educated, and that's what we were doing. I was just reading all the books, meeting all the people, doing everything, and I'm like, oh, and now I get it, okay. But what am I? What action am I taking? I haven't taken that action yet. Um, and yeah, I got a. I had a health thing, health diagnosis, and then I'm like, what am I doing? Why don't I just do it? Like, just do it because I've got the knowledge. I need to take the action. Um, so then I just jump straight in and it's like, it, it, there was a point where I'm like, yeah, I've got to actually do this. Like that, you can't just not, you can't just not do it because why spend all that time, energy and effort? And then also I don't feel good about myself because I spent all that time, energy and effort. And then I didn't take the action on it. It's the same as business. Like I read, I've got a bookshelf full of information about marketing and people and, and, and business and then you just don't start a business or run a business it becomes well why are you wasting your time <laughs> why are you yeah. wasting everyone's time in those type of conversations so yeah there was a tipping point for me that jumped me over the edge but yeah it's um it's an interesting um but i love that you were so scared and you did it anyway like that's <laughs> a big point like everyone's scared and you do it anyway yeah yeah and that was our this is this home this is my family was, home uh, so one. yeah 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 so that was um interesting how it goes isn't it i i found it more difficult investing in a family home compared to the other property deals that we've done like yeah. um, it, it was a different emphasis a different emotional intent it certainly wasn't something that i thought I would ever feel because I mean, aren't women supposed to want their own home? Aren't they supposed to want this? this? This was all the things going through my head. You know, don't people want to lay down roots? Doesn't property come easily for people? Don't they relate to it because it's bricks and mortar and it's tangible? Like I had all of these revolting, conflicting thoughts going around in my head saying, yeah. Louise, you're inadequate in this area. You've only got one thing that you can master. There's only one way that you can make money why why was that happening to me i couldn't work out what was going on and i think because of all of that that's why i chucked yeah 
Do you, do, you think, <laughs> do you think some of it came from because knowing sort of having heard you speak about your um your sort of background and your, your upbringing, do you think some of it came from your sort of childhood sort of I mean not to I don't I don't want to don't want to get don't want to get on couch or anything here like a psycho psychologist, but do you think that had something to do with it? Oh yeah, I'm absolutely certain. I remember my grandmother at one stage, she said to me that you have to always make money, Louise. Make sure you're the one making the money in the household. And mm. she even came up with something that I thought was really instrumental for me. She who makes the gold makes the rules as a quote. Mm -hmm. So if you're the one making the money, nobody can yank your chain, nobody can call the shots. And that includes, I mean, speaking openly with you, includes a man because so many women mm. are in a situation where they are encumbered upon their man to make the money and they are actually in a position of weakness because of it and mm. I never wanted to be in that role I always wanted to be the breadwinner I always wanted to be the one to bring the money into the household so that I would get the say and that nobody could basically lead me off into a direction that I wasn't comfortable with very interesting yeah it's um it's such a great mindset it's such a great mindset to to operate on and and i guess with shares and this is why i like love property right is because you've got so much leverage you've got a 20 percent deposit and an 80 percent loan owning an asset that's worth a lot larger so you get the the growth on the five hundred thousand dollars rather than that twenty thousand dollars uh so rather than the you know that yeah. uh, 20 percent hundred thousand dollar deposit mm. but with getting to a hundred thousand dollars takes time to be able to actually get there so it there is a there is a lower bar barrier to entry to the share market and i'm not pro oh, i am pro property but i'm not anti-shares and i think that there's a place for all of the asset pool to be in at different stages of what your journey is mm. um because i like what you, you were saying before is that property is long term and then you were talking about some medium term stuff but then shares being that short term play um, mm. what is, what's that medium term stuff that you were talking about? Yeah. So look, I'll just, I'll just go back to where my husband was starting to be interested in property. Okay. Because oh, yeah. this might answer it. Um, so my, my husband has got a graphic design background and he was working in a position where he was designing factory automation on a product called AutoCAD. So some oh, yeah. of you might know that Definitely, type yeah. of inventor. <laughs> yeah, 3D oh, designer. You, you created candlesticks for the Australian market <laughs> and your husband created AutoCAD. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't create it, used it, used it. So, okay, yeah, okay. Um, he was quite keen to leave his job and when I had my little my little baby, my first baby, I said, yeah, you can you can come home for sure, but I need my sleep. I need my sleep because otherwise oh, yeah. I'm going to be I'm going to be in hot water. So luckily from that I need my sleep statement we've both been able to do completely 50-50 bringing up our children together situation because I wouldn't be able to do what I 
am doing now if it hadn't been for Chris Bedford as opposed to Chris Tate, who's my business partner. Chris Bedford's the one I'm married to. If it hadn't been for Chris Bedford stepping up and saying, okay, you know, let's let's do this. Let's do, let's do this, baby. We can do it. So Chris Bedford was then concerned about, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because it's going to be a little boring just staying at home with, with the kiddies. And he decided to get involved with property development. Now, the plus with all of that was that now we've got two vehicles covered. We've got the share market and property and a little dabble into business as well, which are the three vehicles to create wealth. So mm. the longer term sort of stuff, like I, I would consider this house a longer term investment because we're not going to be out of here for ages. I would also consider the properties that I own in our super to be longer term investments. So I don't trade that long term. I have an average hold time of about 26 weeks at the moment. But wow. sure, some positions are two or three years old, but they're not 15 years old. They're not 20 years old and that property horizon is really interesting from a long-term perspective medium term we have a little bit of a hey i need that money oh but i need that money type of discussion now and again so we do things where we buy a house knock it down and build two units um, mm. we did a 26 unit development which interestingly wasn't as profitable as you'd think it's got no, ego I, value, but it wasn't as profitable as you'd think. Yeah. We bought a tennis was it in, court. Uh, sorry, was that in Victoria? Yeah. Any chance? yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was that was that not? Um, I don't. I, I just. I'm, I'm. I love property development. That's. Um, yeah. That, yeah. Go. Yeah. Getting getting the whole um, sort of planning approved and that sort of. Was that oh yeah, it sucked. VCAT. Dragged everything okay. out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go on, yeah. So you had other deals that were more profitable. Like you did like a four lots up unit and it was yes. more profitable than your 26. Yeah, buying, buying a, we'd bought a tennis court and put five on, on the tennis court and built a little road oh, up there that cool. we got to name the road, which was pretty <laughs> cool. Um, what was the name? Knocking down houses and, oh, God, I can't even remember. I should... Bedford Road, maybe? <laughs> no. Do you know what? Tennis it, Lane. It was... It was very much guided by what the council would let us call it. So it had an cool. Aboriginal name completely against everything we wanted to call it. But we were, you know, after a bit, you could just go, okay, council, God damn it, let's just finish it. So knocking down houses and building two or three or four um, is a favourite. So all of that's medium term. So if we're thinking in terms of timeframes, the quickest we would have ever done it would be 18 months. Like that's that was super fast. I don't know if it's fast for you because you probably know more about what you're doing. Um, but 18 months is the quickest, maybe up to four years for, you know, the longer, the longest time frame in that medium term mm. time frame. And for me, of course, it's shares. Um, US as well. I saw somebody asked, do I do US? Yes. Um, anything that moves basically, I, if I can trade it, and I can make money from it, I'll give it a good fat wiggle. So that medium-term view is fantastic for shares. And then I have also dabbled in the very short term as well. So there are no, in, in my understanding of it and with what I'm comfortable with, there's no shares that can ever, the property side can never really compete with shares in, in the short term. I'm not saying for every time frame, but with property, 
shares has got to be really the winner with shorter term. So if it's a few weeks to a few months, even up to a year, um, this share market gets my vote for the shorter term. So that's how we pretty much divide it, where we've got the long term, which is the property, the medium term, which is the financial markets and property, and the shorter term, which is the financial markets. Yeah, and do you deliberately build a base of assets to put into? So, like, you're like, okay, great. The goal is now a, a two hundred thousand dollar deposit that we can then put into a development. Is that like the goal that you you're trying to reach, or how do you set up the the release dates of when you're going to move the funds? Or yeah, does it, it work? sucks. That is really tough. <laughs> There's a lot of um, behind the scenes discussions, high level discussions in the Bedford household. I need $100,000 by this date, but add maybe add a zero or two onto it. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, how much do you need? Um, so it is very much incumbent on what is the opportunity ahead of us. And often because with the stock market, you are turning over positions more quickly, it just means that I don't buy new things. I just leave it there in, in cash waiting for the next property deal to finish. Yeah. We've been caught short before though, there's no doubt. And the thing that I find interesting is the thing I focus on is that we can both withdraw a salary from a tax perspective. We both mm -hmm. take a salary out of, of the trust that we've set up. That is that is my focus. But I notice when things are flying high, we're eating really well. Like it's chicken breast every night. It's just amazing vegetables. It's fantastic. And when things are a little bit skinnier, it's baked beans on toast. And it's sort of my little way of shrinking and then expanding to be able to feel that I'm at least in control of the food. That goes back to the childhood, I'm sure. Yeah, because on, on on that, so so regardless of how financially successful somebody could could get, because I, I just there's people in the group that have I don't know twenty thirty property members, probably people in the group have hundred properties, um, but regardless of because you've, you've been doing this, so so you sort of still have a have have a somewhat of a challenge to sort of you, you have you or you have the discipline, I suppose, is, is what I'm getting at there because. I think that's the systems approach. Is that would that be sort of true? And how, how do you sort of how do you maintain that? Without just because I don't, I don't know, I'm asking for my own kind of. A bit, it's to, before that first goal is finished to move on to your second goal, before the hundredth goal is finished to move on to your hundred and first goal. So every big thing that we've got in the calendar, we've broken down into tiny, minuscule baby steps. Sometimes those steps might only take ten minutes to do. You know, fill in mm -hmm. a form or go down to the bank, you know, whatever that little tiny step is to get that step done. So the, I think the skill, the skill part is to get the big goal in the first place and to be able to break it down into the smallest possible viable step. That to me is the skill. Everything else you can be a robot with. If you follow those steps through one after another after another, then you'll get to the overall end result. And that's whether it's property, shares, business. I think that to me is a cornerstone skill. So how do we set that skill? Because I'm very good. Like I was only, I just recently joined the gym again and I set a limit to where I was going to be. I would lift X on this, X on this and X on this. 
And then I didn't do what you just said, right? I didn't set a goal after my goal. Like I got very close. I got to, you know, X. I got to almost on the edge where I probably should have said, you know what, now it's time to set a new goal. But I then hit my goal and then I went back the next week, hit that goal again, and then didn't go back to the gym for six months. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Have you got any tips for me? How do I do it? (laughs) Absolutely. Look, There are many different ways to approach this, but I do suggest you work out whether you are internally driven for accountability or externally driven for accountability. So if you're the type of internal accountability type of person and if you wanted to do Gretchen Rubin's quiz about this, you'd be like an upholder. Okay, so I'm an upholder. I'm internally accountable and externally accountable and that's where I get my kicks. Yeah, double whammy. That's it. But a lot of people and most people are obligers. Now, obligers are the type of person that they'll never let another person down, but they'll let themselves down on their own goals all the time. So they need external accountability to be able to complement their own internal willpower. Willpower is so fickle, isn't it? It really is. (laughs) So if you were meeting a friend, Joe, down at the gym, I bet you you would always turn up. I bet you if you knew that that person was waiting for you, that you would be there. So Mm. building an external accountability, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength to know that that's what everybody needs. And if it's not external accountability with somebody on your level, you need a mentor, a a coach, somebody to take you through that can smack you when you need to be smacked, (laughs) that can be that unreasonable friend to say, look, Joe, I don't know if you've noticed, but, all right, and whatever they say, it's said with Mm. love, but then it can lead you on. So I think they're the two main ways that I've done it myself in the past as well. Is, is that the wow. Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin? Yes, that's it. I, just I did, love I did, it. I did some Googling. Yeah, I, yes. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've heard, I used to, I've, she was, when she sent out a book, she was on. Um, it's, that's just so, it's it's really interesting because, yeah, you, you, most people probably are the external. They need the need somebody to hold them accountable. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's it's sort of something that I think we all struggle with. So so thanks for asking that, Joe. I, I want to... Um, I want to ask a question, given that we're sort of seeing around the world and around with the news is sort of floating with, with inflations. I know you're not macro, you're, you're kind of, you're more technical, um, but, but how do you, how do you actually, how do you stay out of the weeds? How do you sort of shut off from the, the noise? Because it, it can be hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's, if you sort of see that the stock that you've, mm-hmm. you've put your um, trade on has done X, Y, and Z or, or reported this, how do you sort of just say, okay, great, I'm sticking to my formula. I'm not worried yeah. about the news. Look, I always think if the news gets bad enough, somebody will tell me, and they do. It's amazing. Total yep. strangers come up to you and tell you that there's a war. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> no idea. Yep. I try not to look at the news. I try not to do the whole deep dive into my news feed, even on Facebook. I aim to keep really pure because... If I can just follow the thing that I've written down in advance, my trading plan, and if I can follow it step by step by step and not hear other voices in my head, that gets me the best results. So I am probably the least knowledgeable person about world events here (laughs) in the entire chat room here because I choose not to. And also I found and 
I don't know, if you actually think about how it makes you feel, is this doing me good or is it doing me a disservice? Like when mm. I find that, like remember, remember way back when, when there was that pandemic going around, yeah? <laughs> I actually found physically I really didn't react well to waiting for that 11 o'clock news briefing. That was the time I noticed especially how physically I react to things and I think it's so easy to switch that off and just say, no, you know, we're grown-ups, we should be able to handle it. It's negative but I can handle it and I can separate it out and I cannot let it interfere with the rest of my life. I can't. I've just decided that I've realised I cannot. I am best when I'm sheltered. I purposefully made my two Chris's, my husband and my business partner, monitor the news for me at that stage. I said, if anything gets too bad that I need to know about, can you tell me? So that yeah. I didn't have to look. I delegated it away. They seemed to be able to cope with it. I knew I couldn't. So I mm. do that a lot with the share market. I do that a lot with every aspect of my life, actually. I yeah want Sounds to like protect yeah i want to protect myself so that i can maintain energy and be positive i i find i can easily slip backward if i don't watch the inputs mm. yeah i totally uh, i totally agree i think it's it, you can get sucked into the news and you get emotional and it's, it's something you can't control there's no change that you can make you set your status you see people setting their status to this and that. It's like, well, you're not like you got a bumper sticker. That doesn't, you're not doing anything. Go and actually do something. Go donate <laughs> some money counts. or if you're really worried. Um, <laughs> actions. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing um, you. I'm hearing you. A lot of it is signaling, isn't it? You know, we're yeah. all such peacocks in the end. It's like, look at my beautiful tail. Please mate with me. It's not good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, just, it, it's it's interesting to see people's kind of um, people's people's uh, approach and their reaction to it as well, because people often we, we react more to, to negative news, and 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 that's why they, I mean, the, yeah. the the agenda from the from the news is to to get people to advertising. So it's um, yeah, whenever there's a there's a very kind of topical hot button hot button topic mm -hmm. in the group, um, even interest rates as well. Everybody loves kind of has an opinion about where they're going, and I just yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, we've been guided in that direction more and more. Like now, especially with advertising, they can monitor the number of clicks that they get through. So they'll split test a positive and a negative ad, and mm. the negative ones consistently get more clicks. So that feeds yeah. into that. And before you know it, everybody's doom and glooming all over their happiness and our brightness. It's not good. Yeah. We do our best to yeah. yeah, we try and <laughs> remove as much as we can. Um, yeah, it's good. One of my. What I mean, we have the uh, the expert here of candlesticks, and for the people that don't know, Louise wrote one of the. They, you got a copy here. Here we go. The first books yes. ever. So this is a. Can you can you tell us a bit of the history of candlesticks? And I don't. Firstly, I actually have. I don't know if you can see that photo. Can you see that you? photo? I'm yeah. a baby. What the hell? I'm just like this young, young, young thing there. Oh goodness me! So. <laughs> Yeah, so what, candles. Yeah, for, for people that don't know anything about candlesticks, like how what sparked the thing and and how does it kind of work? I don't know if telling me how it can work is actually going to be possible within a short sentence, but 
you know, let's give it yeah, a we'll shot. Yeah, we'll give it a go. <laughs> we'll give it a go. Yeah. So with share charts, that's what I use to be able to make my decisions about the share market. So it on a share chart, you've got price and volume action over time. So candlesticks look to see is the sentiment bullish where the share prices are likely to rise or is it bearish where the share prices are likely to fall and it conveniently colours it a colour. So green being the colour of growth, if there's a lot of green candles on the chart, it means the close is above the open for each of those candles for each of those periods and it colors it in green and red being the color of blood so that's funds leaking out of the share market if there's a load of red candles it means that money's leaving yeah. that share so looking yeah. at the color is so compelling i love color i love the whole idea that color can influence our mindset as well so candles yeah. grabbed me when i first came in touch with them all those years ago and i managed to bring that concept over to australia so they didn't let me bring candles as the book out for First, they said nobody's going to read it so get a best-selling book first which mm -hmm. I did with the secret of writing options get ah. a best-selling book first and then we'll let you write the candles book <laughs> how dare they so <laughs> <laughs> challenge accepted that's it challenge accepted so the day that I held my first book in my arms like it was a newborn baby it got delivered to the front door 10 initial copies I unwrapped it and I kissed it and I held it and I went good you're out of here and this is the one I actually wanted to write so I, <laughs> I wrote it in five weeks wow that's impressive <laughs> it was crazy because I was just so ready for it you know that just poured out of me I was obsessed so yeah the candles book and then um the trading secrets book followed there's been a few editions of all of these trading secrets that's probably the one to get if you want to start because that gives you the basics about trading and then I wrote charting secrets which is like the teacher's edition where you can see how I worked out the chart you work it out and then you see the answer yeah and oh. then I wrote one with my friend who's no longer with us Dr Harry Stanton let the trade winds flow that was just a labor of love really his book was you know 40 years old and to rewrite that with my darling Harry before he died Dr Harry Stanton peak performance mm. coach Olympic coach helping people wow. get rid of nicotine from their lives helping traders my traders he's helped for the last 30 years what a wonderful, out, outstanding person. So to mm. rewrite that book with Harry was definitely just a passion project. I loved it. We've had him on our web, uh, podcast, talkingtrading.com.au. Um, he's spoken for my traders. He's just been an inspiration. So to lose him at the, that ran about a year and a bit ago, yeah, mm. it, was a, it was a terrible blow. I miss, I miss him every day. Mm. Um. So just back to candle candlesticks. So what, you know, for the layman, what does it actually, what do we do? I guess maybe it's, that's probably not as good questions. You can't really. What, you, what do you do to read start? The book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> read the book. Yeah. Why didn't I think what? of that? Um, <laughs> what, you, what you can do first is work out, does the share market interest you? And if it does, if you're looking for a way to have less of your money tied up because you don't need that massive deposit that you do with property, if you're looking for a way to use your property mindset 
to be able to diversify into another vehicle. If you're looking for a way to make money when property isn't booming as well, that is another thing to consider, then maybe the share market is for you. And I'm not saying it is for everybody here, but just maybe if you've got that little bubble of excitement that says, I think there's more, there could be more mm. for me, then mm. I think you need to investigate it. You'd Start looking at share charts. Start looking to see where your superannuation is invested. Most of you would probably have some sort of fund manager there that isn't doing a great job with the share market. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, I actually, one my uh, nan passed away a while ago and I got given all the shares that they had in the portfolio and they had a fund manager for the for a bank, which I definitely won't name the bank, but what they did is they replicated an ETF and ah. then charged two percent on top. So it was a two point five percent fee on top of an ETF, which is like a zero point zero five percent fee. And literally, it just mirror matched. Like the returns that they got, they just chucked a fee on top. So yeah, very it's common. Crazy. Yeah, that's it blew I, my mind. I would really urge people to investigate it for themselves. I've even got a course, Trading Made Simple, which I'll give you for free. Go to tradinggame.com.au, register your details. I'll send you my course. That'll get you started. It'll also give mm. you my trading plan template so that you will know what goes into an effective trading plan and just explore, you know. If you're good at one thing, the odds are you'll be able to carry that mindset through to another vehicle. My best what? property developers are the ones who are the successful share traders. It's amazing to me. It's almost like they've gone, hey, this is exactly what I need to do here and I can use that same skill set to go here and make even more money it's magic. <laughs> One of the things I've heard um, on other podcasts is that property has the uh, the richest dumb people <laughs> because yes. it's so easy to make money in property. Um, I just don't feel like I can, I, I just don't have the share mindset. I, I, my first share that I bought was Woolworths and oh, the, yeah. the, a month or two months, like, like over a period of six months, it dropped 30%. And I was like, yeah, Woolworths, it's not going to go down. It's, you know, it's fun <laughs> fundamental. And then I bought uh, oil ETF. I bought oil oh, and then it, that tank to Somebody spell. got invaded. <laughs> Someone got invaded. So, um, you know what? I feel one, like one I've got some first, scars. One of my What's first that? shares was I bought Qantas because I thought, well, planes always go up. It's not like they drop out of the sky. Oh, no. I bought <laughs> Sausage Software because it had a cute name. Toll Holdings because I thought they were the toll booths and everybody goes through a lot of toll booths, especially in car uh, parks. Tolls, tolls are all over So, yes. So don't necessarily think that where you start, Joe, is where you'll mm. end up. Very good point. Joe's so, so very busy at the moment, though. We are very I'm busy. very busy. I'm very busy. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've got a question on is do I need to know, like in the type of investing that you do, do I need to know about that stuff? Like do I need to know who toll is? Do I need to understand the the fundamentals? Like what what is actually involved in the, the, the share? Like do you just look at the charts and say, look, I don't care. Yeah. The new CEO's come on and his name's Elon and he's just bought Twitter. Like does that factor into? I don't into know anything about the companies that I own. 
Look, way, way back when, when I had a real job, I worked for a company called Dun and Bradstreet, which was credit information. Yeah. And it was amazing because at my fingertips, I had every fundamental detail about every company around the world. It was almost head turning. And certainly in terms of the delay in my decision making, it was massive because you want to be able to make a decision quickly with these types of things. And when you keep on researching and researching, it's probably not conducive. I had a statistician who worked for me. I was a national manager there um, before I left my job. And the statistician and I did a little side hustle, a side project to see whether good fundamentals reflected in an increasing share price. Now, we had the data, we had the knowledge, because I've got a stats miner as well, and my statistician was incredibly experienced. We could not get a positive correlation. So just because something has good fundamentals doesn't mean that it will necessarily make you money. And the age of, the age of correlation then, doesn't equal yes, that's it. Nice. You, oh, we're bonding, Jeff. We're bonding. <laughs> so that to me was enough and I, I dumped fundamental information being a process in my decision making from that moment on. I know some people use fundamentals to determine which shares to get involved with and then when comes into play when you're looking at the technical analysis. That's okay too. If you've got that as a as a thing, yeah, go for it. I don't, I just look at the chart. Keep it simple. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Before we, um, so I, I want to know, because we we're, we're sort of skirt around and talk somewhat about this. Um, so risk, what, what to you is risk, Louise? That's a, it's a big question, I know. Yeah, yeah, what is risk? So from a share trading perspective, it's the percentage of my entire equity that I'm prepared to lose on any one position. So that's a bit detailed, isn't it? I guess you wanted yeah. something more philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, what is what is that what is that for you? Like is that 1%, it's 0.5%. So the back testing that I've done, I've got a wonderful systems tester, Scott Lowther. He's done my mentor program. I've been running my mentor program in conjunction with my business partner, Chris Tate, uh, for 22 years. This is our 22nd year of running it. So, oh, my goodness. And because it's a repeat for free course, we have got a beautiful community around us. They give us their data so that we can analyse it, which is a key aspect of being able to make good decisions. Scott Lowther, my systems tester, has analysed so much data on this and we've found that the 0.5% risk outperforms 1% and 1% outperforms 2% for portfolios that pyramid. So if you're happy to pile into a position because it's working, we call it be a pig. If you're happy to be a pig, then start out with a small position. Start out with 0.5 instead of going 1% to 2%. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And and getting in is an interesting point. And then getting out, like, is this a, is that how it works? You just go bing, bing, uh, get in and get out really quickly? Like, how, how does, the, um, how do you know that, when to get out? Yeah. We, if that have, little baby share <laughs> performs, if it, if it, if it's a good little share. 
<laughs> I'll keep it for ages. You know, it can play in the playpen with the other good little shares. They can all just play together and it's beautiful. If you get that little road, little snotty brat, you know, the type that kicks and pinches, then it has to go. So what does a snotty little brat share look like? It means one that is not going up. <laughs> if it's not going up <laughs> and over the time frame that I'm interested in, then, hey, it has to go. Because the more you mm. let that hang around with the good shares, the more it corrupts your own mindset. Yeah, it's like the um, the, 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 the saying you um, you should let your winners run and, and not this advice let your winners run and cut your yeah. losses or cut your losers because but often people tend to do the opposite. They they sell the one that's gone up. I don't know, it's 50 percent, and they keep because they're like, oh, you know, I've I've lost that money. I've got to make it back. That's it. And it's um yeah it's kind of and, and I, I think what what I'm what I'm picking up from 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 a lot of your sort of sitch um is it it's all about a system it's about a process and yeah. if, and, and and that can be applied to any whether that be property whether that be um I mean any or vintage cars I think it's important to have a process have a checklist and understand if if you don't have that I think you're sort of uh, flying blind um so to speak so I think that's um that's a really key. And I think that is the key, regardless of the vehicle that you're investing in, to have that system. I certainly know, I notice my drop in IQ as soon as I've got money in the market. I, I'm going to go with 50%. I'm 50% dumber when I've got money in the market. To me, unless I have that system, that pre-written system, where I've literally got a checklist that I can tick, 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 then I I just I'm a functional moron, you know. As soon as I'm emotionally invested, I'm just hey, yeah. you know, none of that's working well for me. It's far better for me to be objective, to have worked out that trading plan prior to having that money in the market, and to just follow that plan. Just do that next step. If that's what my mm. plan says, then I'm going to do it. So switching off that part of you that second guesses yourself switching off that part that says i know better in the spur of the moment is so important just following along like you're a moron is the best way to make money so what are some of the things on the checklist like what 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 do we need to do well, for entry, for example, for those of you that know a little bit of what I'm talking about here, but if you're a beginner, don't let this blow you out, okay? There's lots of time to learn. But I'm looking for a share that is breaking above its previous level of resistance on heavy relative volume. Now, that is my standard breakout entry and there's a couple of other archetypes that I use as well those absolute perfection type of looks that I'm looking for but once I've got that I'm in and once it's dropped by a certain amount then I'm out and mm. I just follow follow it up like probably if I look at each year just to let's get down to some tin tacks here in terms of results. Each year, probably only two or three of my shares are really big winners and the rest are eh, or tiny losses or, you know, really not fantastic. But those two or three winners are the ones where they just make my bankroll every single mm -hmm. year. So as long as I keep on consistently putting those shares in that front end of the funnel, some of those will become those two or three that make me all of the money I need. Yeah. So with like 
how many shares do you like how many of you monitoring at one time like is there like a 50 or a 20 or like how does it work so right way? now 22 yeah. right now in the market there are 22 positions it might be 12 it might be zero because there are times when it's not good to trade so for example if you've got the market dropping and we're not talking about short selling because we're going to make things a bit complicated for this yeah. but if the market is dropping i purposefully will not enter new positions and i've got a definite level that it needs to drop by in order to not get me involved in a new position i'll let the existing ones run because they're going hey you know let's just back that mm. baby but i won't get involved in new ones and i think that's a real key you know that overall it's called a macro filter that macro filter guides regarding whether I should keep on trading or not. Is, is, is one of those um, one of those macro filters, uh, I, I don't know if this is proprietary, so let me know. If I'm, no, go for it, those, yeah. When, when it goes into a correction, because we're sort of getting close to the US particular, I know the ASX is probably not quite there, but the US is getting close to that 10%. It might have just hit it yesterday. But I don't know what the futures look like in the US, but um, yeah, is that one of the filters, macro filters? For those of you that know what you're doing, okay, run a 30 EMA over the top of the XAO, yep. right? If it's above, keep buying. If it's below, don't enter new positions. That's so an EMA is an filter. exponential moving average. Moving so average, yeah. Yep. And the XAO is the all odds, or it can be like the ASX 200, the top 200 shares. That's probably the simplest macro. And I've got a volatility overlay too, which I won't. It's a little bit more complicated to go into. But if you if you want it, then ask in the chat and I can go through that. But we'll leave we'll leave that. So but really for where <laughs> you're at, <laughs> look at your moving average. See whether there are people who are buying in general. And if they're buying, then follow them. Yeah. So Go's are you got- seeing anything like this? For property, like, do you see, um, like, anyone in the market doing this type of analysis, but for property instead? Uh, no, but wouldn't it be good? Maybe you two should like... develop a macro filter for property. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I was talking. <laughs> yeah, people have asked us, and people have spoken behind the scenes, and I, I said that the problem, the only problem with it is, I sort of see shares as more as less emotional. Um, yes. I want to say less emotional. There's still very much shares. People buy and sell on emotion. Um, but the pro- the thing with houses is you've got roughly 70% of the market is owner-occupiers. So how can you sort of – there's so much more emotion attached to the, the bricks and mortar. But I'm not saying it can't be. I'm wondering as well whether it would be as easy to develop something because the time frame for turnover is a lot longer. So the frequency is required with data points to be able to get a good read. And I'm wondering whether the frequency in terms of turnover, yeah, I'm, I'm uncertain. But it's a good, it's a good thought. It's a very good mm. thought, Joe. Mm. Yeah, the volume of stock on market. I mean, if there's if there's an area that's turning over 200 properties a month, I mean, that might be yes. substantial. Yes. Yeah, you'd have to go. look at that. Yes. It's going to be Joe, it's going to be Joe Jeff, Louise, Chris, and Chris. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have to work something out with this so it makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> uh, love it. Okay, well, um, 
I'm interested in um, one one of the questions here is talking about ch- track record, and I think that would be an interesting one to to kind of go into because um, you know if if it's working, like if it's not, <laughs> if you've got a system and it's not working, it's like oh god, okay, well there's yeah. no point in running that system. But it'd be great Absolutely. to hear that. What we'll do, we'll run into our um our next ad, and then we'll be freeze a bird for the rest of the session. So let's do that. <laughs> Commercial property offers the highest cash flow in Australian property investing, offering exceptionally higher yields than residential. Now we're talking eight to 10% net yields. That's cash after all expenses, not this two to 6% gross that we see in the residential space. So for those that are starting out on their commercial investing journey, it can be exciting, but it's also a step not to be taken lightly. The expertise of a commercial buyer's agent can pay dividends to help you secure that high cash flow and high growth potential property. And this is why we recommend Steve Polisi of Polisi Property. With over six years experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He has seen it all and knows the best locations right for growth. In a previous life, Steve was a chartered mechanical and structural engineer, so he draws on his mathematical and analytical skills that he's developed to break down what works best in commercial property. As with engineering, same goes with commercial property. It's based primarily on the numbers. So if you're curious about diversifying into commercial property, you have access to $100,000 in cash or in equity, book a call with Steve today and find that perfect asset for you. Here we go. So, nice yeah. ad. I'm excited. It's <laughs> fun, isn't it? <laughs> I think I think I think we need to update it though, Joe. I think he's had more than six plus years now. I think he's probably had seven or eight. Good old Steve. Steve's on the call. I'd say seven. Yeah, he's at good. least seven, possibly eight. Get it? Get it. So going. we were talking about track record. So yes. How does it work? That is. That is something to consider. One of the things that you're going to have to play with is sometimes property is going to do better and sometimes the share market is going to do better. And if you get your ego bent out of shape at either of those extremes, that's a risk. So in terms of track record, what I'm looking to do and what I'd suggest everybody does is to look at the average rate of return and to try and beat that. If you pitch yourself, I'm going to aim for 80% a year, what you'll end up doing is you will force trades. You will take trades that are never going to be appropriate. You'll forget your position sizing rules and you'll get your ego out of joint and it's not the way to go. So if you aim to get what the market returns plus a bit more, that is probably a better way to go and monitor that. I do a six-monthly mm. review and I suggest my traders do the same thing. And there are lots of things that you can do at that six-monthly review, but the key one is to see are you making money? And if you're making money, then how does that compare to what other assets are doing so Mm. I think that is something to consider and I can also see there are some people asking about do I invest for dividends no Mm. dividends are always a shock to me occasionally I'll get sent a dividend check an actual check I had to take a check down to the bank the other day two people actually processed it I said look uh, look look what I've got two people at the bank you know what this is yes like (laughs) 
gosh, this is old technology, isn't it? So clearly I didn't tick some sort of box that said dividend reinvestment. I try to dividend reinvest all the time. It's a very easy, quick way to be able to get that money flowing right back in so I don't even have to consider it. It locks it away from my husband as well because <laughs> remember we've got that slight war about where the money <laughs> money goes to. So any money that flows into the household, you know, we, we aim to divvy up, whereas if it's already invested in the share, it just keeps on ticking along. And I think that dividend reinvestment plan should be a part of everybody's strategy, but mm -hmm. I don't look at buying a share to get a dividend. Often those mm -hmm. types of dividends plays they are with shares that are not going up at an incredible rate so you're sacrificing yeah. the, your capital growth for a tiny little bit of a rat pallet that they feed you so that you keep on that treadmill and it's not really yeah an appropriate yeah. strategy and also you're probably not in there long enough to actually yeah. get a sizable check in the mail anyway yeah exactly so you may as well just uh Go with the ones that, from a technical analysis point of view, are going up. If it's going up, the momentum's there and it's likely to mean that you're going to keep making money out of it as well. So how do you, one question I have is how do you avoid the fundamental, um, like the shifts, like, you know, Elon Musk buys Twitter, but that, that or let's say he does sells Twitter, right, and it drops and then it gives you a signal to sell. Do you just go, okay, do you factor that in? Like, oh, Elon just sold Twitter. Okay, now yeah. it's all gone down um, and it's hit my point where I have to sell and now I hit sell. Um, I, I don't even look at it. I don't even know what's happening, Joe. <laughs> it's oh, like almost, I just need to – yeah, I really need to impress on you the depths of my ignorance. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how I can spell that out any clearer than saying I absolutely know nothing about world events and what's happening. <laughs> I <laughs> – I set my automatic stop and if yep. my auto stop is hit, then I get out and mm -hmm. I just do it again and again and again and again and repeat for 32 years. Do you, um, <laughs> and, and speaking about like we, we've, I, I, I suppose we didn't necessarily want to take it down the shed, but I'm, I'm kind of, I, I look at it and watch it a little bit myself. So do you have a, a, how do you, how do you sort of take prop? Do you have a take profit sort of, um, have a, a trailing um, take profit or how do you, how do you sort of work that? Yeah, that's a more complicated question actually. Okay. Um, so let's cover it from two ways. Let's say the share's behaving that sideways up, sideways up, sideways up. Yep. Then I've got a trailing profit type of mm -hmm. stop where yep. it follows along past, yeah, at the bottom of the share price action and once it drops past that, then I exit. But mm -hmm. let's just say you've got a little specky which has just gone ballistic. So you're in it, it's gone up crazy, crazy levels. Often that which goes up really steeply comes down really steeply. That's the true. angle of the incline matches the angle of the decline, not completely, but it's a sign of mania. I think we could agree. It means that people are not making decisions from a rational basis and we know when people aren't rational, they can throw tantrums, okay? So we want to avoid the temper tantrum throwing public. So if it's going straight up, I've got some parameters that tells me definitively, yes, it is going straight up. It's not just a visual check. And if it is corresponding to those rules, I sell out one-third, one-third. I leave the remaining two-thirds to sit there and then if they hit my stop, 
my trailing stop, then I get out of that. So that's been really good lately. There's been a lot of mining um, energy sector shares that have gone ballistic and it has been really helpful to have that in place. So um, can you overlay this stuff into cryptocurrencies as well? Like yeah. do you ever, do you, are you like playing in that field at all? Let me just mention, Joe, that I am a licensed advisor with ASIC. So I have an AFSL, Australian Financial Services Licence. And now that I've mentioned that, you'll know, you'll know yourself without me telling you, you'll know that crypto is an unregulated area. So that's a little harder for me to comment on. Um, I can certainly give you a really big clue about how to trade them. Um, but really from an audio perspective, I'd really better um, let everybody decide how to what fulfill their there. dreams. Very, 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 very wise, very wise, Joe, I must say. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good way. It's a good answer. Um, yeah, it's a good answer to it. Um, <laughs> I had another question, but I lost it. I don't know where it's You gone. know, Joe, years ago I had these two gay guys. They used to send me hand-drawn charts. This is before I realised that I wasn't allowed to give advice, way before the ASIC requirements. And they'd send me oh. hand-drawn candlestick charts and I'd comment on these hand-drawn candlestick charts and tell them buy it or sell it, right? Years went on. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I know. Years went on and I finally said, these charts, they don't look like a normal share chart. You know, what, what is it? What, what market are we dealing in? And I'm thinking, you know, something European in my mind. That's where I was going. Wheat. And they said, no, no, they're taxi licences. Oh. So and they're they were trading the plates. Taxi licences, yeah. So yeah. if we think about anything that has supply and demand, any aspect of emotion that creates buying and selling pressure, that's where you can use candlesticks. Yeah. So any emotion. Yeah. So, Jeff, you were talking about the property market being quite emotional market. When he said that, Luis, did that make you think, well, actually, there would be potential opportunity there because... I, I would love to do a candle on the property market. I think it could be a little bit more difficult though because we don't have a firm open and a close yeah. that same property perhaps we'd have yes. to do a candle per property i think that that regulated open and close is the thing that really punches in the color of the candle and i think i'd need that as a minimum to help you with your macro joe well you could do it with asset type three bedroom house ah. house with three bedroom I you like know, the that. challenge would be the renovated versus unrenovated, but if you could get that out in the wash by a, a median, or you could even just start attacking the bottom end of the market, like you know, and we got you have to here. maybe factor in location, distance from the city, from yeah. a city center. Ooh. Yeah, this 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 is the thing I said. This is the thing I said to Joe. I said, oh, I actually said it to our other admin Nick. I said the only problem with trying to um, use technical analysis or use sort of share um, fundamental uh, share things with is is just the, the amount of variables you'd have. Like, how could you sort of like type of type of um, location within the suburb even as well? How do you'd have to mm. you you almost be some somewhat comparing oranges of apples maybe yeah to some extent yeah but it'd be interesting. Like it would be. It would be. Yeah. Mm. So I know some people are asking about some specifics here about 
breakouts, um, which, you know, these people are talking my language. I love it. <laughs> so let's, let's start. Yeah. Let's get into the Q and A. I mean, there's, there's about yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Rob's been, asked, when you saw, when yeah. you have, have your share breakout on high volume, do you wait for the retest? How do you make, how do you make your own share trading plan? Um, probably from Louise's website. I'll, I'll drop the link again. I don't think I did drop it, but I'll put it again. What's the a answer very, to this one? Very brilliant answer there, Jeff. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that breakout. So what I'm looking to do is have that long green candle breaking through a layer of resistance on heavy relative volume. And I'm looking for the very next period that is above that level of resistance. Okay, so I'm waiting in terms of, I know that's not what you're meaning by retest, but it's more confirmation that that is actually going to keep on going because some shares, especially on lower volume, they prick their head up above resistance and then they collapse back down. So we're waiting for the period after that to be able to grab that baby for ourselves. And in terms of waiting for a retest, I try not to wait because that retest may never come. Yeah, Could some of these months, are just going up by like a rocket and you, if you miss it, you miss it, you know, you should just go mm -hmm. for the next opportunity, not that one. Try not to chase it and try not to just pray that it's going to come back down one day because it just may not, it may not ever. So yeah. you just work on your next signal, your next signal, your next signal and just kiss them goodbye, you know, try to have a short-term memory with it. Try not to get emotionally attached to each position that you're in easier said than done i know i was in love with west farmers in love i tell you yeah, yeah. West, west farmers <laughs> is sort of sort of boring though it doesn't really ever do anything does it really? oh jeff how dare you say that oh. i'm sorry I, look, I, I used to work i used to work for coles uh not coles i used to work for target so Oh, it winded me, it dined me, it took me dancing. It was wonderful. But, uh, yeah, it dumped me like a hag in the alley and I don't ever want to talk about it ever again. So, yeah, <laughs> other than other than that, you know, I think I'm, I'm quite detached. It's just West Farmers. I'm still a bit hooked on from the early 2000s, I think it was. Yeah. Hillary's got some support. I don't know if you know Hillary too. Ah, it's Hillary. Love, love, love. Is that Wes? Is that a person called Wes? Or is that West Farmers. Yeah. Yeah, that's the code. <laughs> um, I think we're going to maybe take you out of your comfort zone here. Somebody's uh, let me know if you. I know you said you don't really read the news, so it's um, yeah. Aaron asked. Um, love, thanks for your insights. She wanted to know about the current state of the economy and type of the investments are good. Um, I think this is going to be probably you, you mentioned so throughout this, so you don't really look too much at this. So is this? No, um, look, there's some areas that are moving at the moment. Lithium's moving, some energy stocks are moving. Um, certainly resources have taken a smack lately, but there might be opportunity in that. You know, if you see a bottom candlestick reversal pattern during an existing uptrend, that would qualify as a retracement trade and that's another type of my archetypes, that sort of marriage material perfect absolutely gorgeous share chart that I'm trying to replicate as a template that is a retracement trade so you can look for opportunities there uh, anything that's above its moving average a 30 moving average I'm probably going to have my head turned at I'm probably give it a bit of a wink across the crowded room <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I'm kind of getting from you is that it's just an if this then that oh my gosh you just Joe, you're boom, a champion. 
<laughs> do you know do you know the wisdom in what you've just said can i just tell you about if then statements i don't know if you've okay. done any study in this from the weight loss industry because weight loss is such a topical area and there's so much data they've found right. that people lose the most weight and consistently hold it off which is of course the goal for the weight loss industry if they use if then statements so mm. if that person brings donuts to work then I won't look at the donuts. I'll make eye contact with that person and say, no, thank you, but thanks so much for bringing them and get back to my work. Okay, so if this scenario happens, then yeah. this is my action. My entire trading plan is down to if-then statements. It is binary. It is specific. There are very few grey areas. And in order to be able to make decisions when that IQ is leaked out of my ear because I have money involved, money is... I don't know what it does to us, but certainly doesn't make us sensible, does it? So <laughs> once I've got that money involved, I need something very binary to be able to help me make a clear decision. Yeah, I, I, I think um, so. Can can this be all done by software? Because I'm kind of seeing that you've got a rule book and the charts go to do a thing and then it says, you know, take an action. Can it not just be all like, automated like now you, yeah. to, you just hit enter and it goes and then... that's what i do on a sunday morning <laughs> <laughs> can i have access to the platform <laughs> <laughs> so the key is to get things very clear and specific so that you know exactly what you're looking for you know before you choose a life partner i mean with my own situation i was i was 20 when i met my husband sitting over there and I had a checklist I actually had a checklist because you hear you hear about people talking about that when they go oh, like it's like gosh, a wish list but, but did, he tick, <laughs> did he tick all the boxes I mean if he, if he, if he Do you know, Jeff this is now you're really getting to know me here <laughs> it was to the point where I have a friend who's a private eye and he's very good at assessing people very very quickly he's very good with signals body language he and I served subpoenas for a few years to make money <laughs> I'd run yeah, up to the didn't know you could do okay. that <laughs> oh, you oh, hey John miles in my yeah. little mini skirt <laughs> <laughs> and yes ah you've been served so yeah graham used to take my boyfriends out for me and have a couple with them and tell me whether they were marriage material wow. i outsourced some of my choices i think i've actually heard i think i've heard you speak about that before i think i may i don't know I'd... There yeah, so there you go. So it's it's good it's good to have that sort of checklist approach for what you consider marriage material in a share, what you consider mm. marriage material in a property. You know exactly what are you looking for that's going to give you your jollies and make mm. sure it's specific because what we ask for, often we get. So make sure you've mm. covered every base. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, even in, even in my business and when we're looking at property, we have like 12 steps to go through and each has a single point. We have phases of due diligence to go through. We have three phases of due diligence and it's very easy just to go, if we don't make it, if we don't hit it, like is it what we expect it to be? No? Okay, great. Can we renegotiate? No, we can't. Go to the end. Restart again. Um, if you can renegotiate, great. Here's the new offer price that's going to allow us to accept it. So I totally can see it being 
taking away all the emotion of the decision from the share side of things and just letting you just run the process and, That's and it. get you get the money out of it. Um, and one of the things I'm getting out of this is that you don't need to be the most incredibly smart person ever. You could actually no, just. you don't. You really don't. And thanks, Joe. <laughs> oh, no, it's just giving me a bit of comfort, you know. I'm like, oh, oh. actually. We're talking about Joe. We were talking about Joe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, maybe I should get the book. Jeez. Maybe you should. No, <laughs> I can no, do this. Look, I, one, of the, one of the things that I've derived a lot of pleasure from is teaching people how to trade and a couple of the people that I've taught to trade to exceptional levels one of them a gentleman I won't mention his surname Mark from Perth he had a terrible brain injury terrible he owned a tree felling business and his friend ran over his head with a forklift wow Jesus so he had basically half of his face, oh my gosh, the, the injuries, the operations that he had to cope with, the difficulty that he had in relearning every aspect about how to be a human, even things that you wouldn't even give credit for because he'd lost his prefrontal cortex basically. So that's his parental controls. So the instant rages, the instant laughter, the tears, all within a split second. It, it mm. was extremely difficult for him, but he had a goal. He wanted his mum home from that retirement village so that she could die in her family home. And his dream was big enough so that he realised, heck, if I set my mind to it, the share market can be my vehicle. He bought his his mother home. It was 24-hour nursing around the clock for this woman. She died in that family home and Mark really can't hold a job. He in every way is impaired. There is almost no aspect of his life where he doesn't need help and mm. He is a fantastic trader. So I think the thing that we often do is we get in our own way. We put up our own walls. We have our own obstacles. We tell ourselves these stories and because we're telling them, we believe it and then we block ourselves off. And I just urge you not to do that. If you're listening to this and if you're vaguely curious about what the share market can do, stop telling yourself the story that I'm a property person, I can't invest in shares as well. It's a story. Mm. Yeah. I um yeah, I mean I, I as you may have picked up, I, I certainly look at it, look at a few things here and there. I'm not um yeah, I'm so, I'm not an expert by any means, but I, I have, have do it so, as dabbling. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, way to think about it. Like if it is if it is that easy, you know, it's just adding another. Um, and one of the things is the transferable skills as well. Like mm. surely there are a lot of transferable skills that go into this type of thing. So it's not just learning. A, yeah, it's not just. I mean, it's just like any education, right? You you'll pick up key points from this, and then you take it into something else anyway. And even from a legacy point of view for your children, you know, when I look at my two, my two children, so I've got a 19-year-old and a 14-year-old, they have never known their parents to work outside the home full-time. They have only had two parents completely involved with every aspect of their life. We are so close-knit. It is 
astounding to me how much my kids share with me of their intimate personal lives and what an honour it is to hold that space for them and to provide guidance for them because they have allowed me in. And I don't see that with the corporate professionals that I used to hang out with, for example, that were working the 60 Mm. to 80 hours a week, that were tied up with so many other parts of complexity and detail that they didn't have energy left to provide for their family at the end of the day. I feel so lucky that I did have the issues that I had from a health perspective that led me to investigate the share market and that... Mm. I've had the personal rewards of being able to help others develop the holidays that people want to go on, the schools that they want to send their children to, the time that they can commit to their elderly parents, the houses that people have been able to change because they've had money coming in through the share market, the houses they've been able to buy their parents because of the money coming in from the share market. It has just been probably the best right of my life yeah so how do people get onto this ride louise give i know we've kind of been skirting around it but how do we how do we get involved what do we have like what's the best next step for us all to be able to be like you know what actually i'm not committing fully to it but i just want to check it out how do i get involved with it well, definitely come and visit me, tradinggame.com.au, and download that free trading plan template. Now, when you're getting started, it's probably a good idea to get a couple of books under your belt. So I would always suggest Trading Secrets and Charting Secrets. They've got to be the first two that you read, those two, Trading Secrets first. So we read and that one Charting first. Secrets. Yep. Read, read those. And then get in touch with me, send me an email. I don't know where you're at. It's really tricky because everybody's at different levels. I've got a mentor program that I run. I run it once a year in conjunction with my business partner, Chris Tate. Chris Tate is a big bald guy. He was the first Australian to prepare a book and to publish it on the Australian share market. He was an immunologist and a floor trader and having that I mean, we've just been business partners for the longest time. So so he's known me for half of my life now. It's just been a wonderful business partnership. So we look after our traders in the mentor program and we stick with them for life. We keep working for free for them on their goals until they achieve what they want to achieve because it is a repeat for free course. So to have that behind you would give you a lot of confidence. You know, you can imagine after you've received that education, after we've tested you and we've given you the benefit of our information and and how we trade and, and how to be street smart about it, you can imagine that that would give you a lot of confidence and that you'd feel more comfortable knowing where to begin. Yeah. Definitely. That's uh, that sounds sounds a very comprehensive sort of thing. Um, I, I did. I, I love that people. It's, I think this is Tony. He's actually gone to do the four tendencies quiz. He's a oh, sorry. I got got a little distracted by the comment. He said he's a questioner. Apparently, that's I, a beautiful I, I, thing. You know what I really wanted though is I wanted you to put a question mark at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exclamation mark. Yeah. I, you, you definitely strike me as a questioner, Tony. I, I, I love your I love your enthusiasm and your curiosity as well as. Yeah, I think because that, that's yeah, the way never, that we learn. We sort of, if you don't understand something, hopefully we get to ask it because 
often people yeah. are too shy to sort of ask a question. So um, if mm. anybody had any, has any final sort of questions, we've probably got one yeah. more question we could do. Um, otherwise, we could. Uh, you can always reach out to yeah. Louise, I'm sure, and she'll, um, she may not necessarily get back yeah, to you big, straight big away. Troy. If Troy, you're on here, mate, you love a share. You love a bit of share training because he was talking about um, lithium. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Lithium's yeah. about... going ballistic. Yeah. Um, if you've got any questions, mate, throw them in. It's a good opportunity to. Do, do you know Troy? Or... No. Yeah, yeah. He's... Oh, sorry, no, does. No, yeah, no. I don't. Yeah. Hey, Troy. Might have logged off. Um, yeah. But uh, I feel like we've covered so, there's covered so much in this conversation. It's been really lovely to, I feel like we get to, got to know you a lot as well yeah like, for sure not just, uh, not just do you know the reason why i suggested that i would be prepared to do this because i haven't i i don't i don't do a lot of these i've, I've been struggling with my voice so jeff i've known you for years but joe what a pleasure and i know that at your very core you want people to succeed our values are aligned i know what you are aiming to do here provide education and inspiration to get people to action take all of those things are so high on my list of priorities as well and i really think that's why the three of us really clicked and you got the best out of me because of that you helped keep it really easy and relaxed and i've had the great night with you guys it's been fantastic <laughs> oh, you make you make me blush. Um, <laughs> thanks very much for for just your I suppose accepting that that um, message a couple of years ago and sort of have, having a, having a chat with me because I think that's that's the sort of thing that's um, unfortunately I, I I'd love to do more of it myself because I get people reaching out to me and I feel bad for not messaging them but um, but no I appreciate that you you did that and and here we are today so hopefully yeah that's that's the sort of it's the catalyst um, if there's anybody you can ever help out people just um, Hopefully, give a give a help uh, hand out to help give a help up. I think that's something like that. Um, yeah, well, if you send me an email, Louise at tradinggame.com.au, I reply to every single email personally. When I was a little wow. girl, I wrote to an author. They never wrote back. I was crushed and I thought to myself, when I'm an author, if anybody writes to me, I'm going to write back to them and I damn well do. So <laughs> do send me an email and I'll definitely personally respond wow <laughs> impressive that's good it's amazing what our child what happens in our child <laughs> drags along throughout all of our uh, all of our lives um but i wanted to yeah thank you again louise this has been absolutely amazing you've given so much and i think we've gotten some curious people interested in the the share market now and we might have to start uh oz share investors after all <laughs> <laughs> we get to get an afsl before we do so. Well, we need an afsl first obviously we need to, so not financial advice this is just here's the disclaimer this is a disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> awesome great okay well let's go let's go buy a property let's go uh join the what is it trading game trading Trading secrets. <laughs> yeah, tradinggame.com. Right, uh, trading Thanks, everybody. Thanks, See ya. Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over 25,000 property investors so we can all become better property investors together.